And how many have other people in life more than just Jesus who love you? Amen? So Jesus loves you and so do I. There you go. There's somebody that you know loves you. And it's beautiful to know the promise of God's love. No matter what you do, he'll still love you as long, listen, as you believe it. If you don't receive it, then even though he loves you, it won't change your life. You have to receive it. Everybody say, believe it and receive it. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. So glad that you are here. Today we're going to be talking about solid food. Everybody say solid food. Amen. I love second service, man. You guys are so good at taking these tough messages. I thought uh, maybe we would get a break. Maybe uh, the Lord would tell me to preach some other things to you, like beginning of the year type stuff. I had shared some of those nuggies in our staff meeting, and they were like, yeah, you should preach on that. But then I felt the Lord tell me, no, stay in Hebrews. Thank you, my brother. We're good. Thank you. I feel like... um, you get to a point in your ministry as a pastor, preacher, life group leader, discipler, even when you're going through the 101, where you kind of know how it's going to go over. You know, when you get to those tough lessons or you've got to share something. I think, though, I have high hopes for this message. Somebody say solid food. Somebody say, if I can take it, I can make it. Here's the first verse of this passage today as we go verse by verse through the book of Hebrews in our second service. Once again, good to see everybody here. Let's get into the word. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Well, are you ready for this message? I can say that to many of you. I have tried to make it clear to you, but I can't anymore because you don't want to understand. Please highlight that for the man of God. Help the preacher preach. You cannot make somebody understand something that they're not trying to understand. Oftentimes in discussions and in debates with people, I ask them, do you understand? Hardly ever will you hear me say, do you agree? But yet most people will take what I am saying as, do you understand, to mean, do you agree? And that shows that they don't even understand because they can't understand the first thing that I'm saying as a question. And so I encourage you to do this in your times of conflict when you're having disagreeable moments. Say your point of view, make it clear, be short if you can, and then ask them, do you understand, comprehende what I am saying? And if the first thing they say back is, well, I just don't agree. I just Then you know you're talking to someone who doesn't even want to understand. Does everybody get that? How many have been in arguments before and they are not trying to understand? Come on. It's not that they can't understand. They're not applying the understanding. They're not trying. As disgusting as this is, I can understand anything that someone explains to me if they do it clearly. I have actually, in studying in the ministry, studied pedophilia. I understand it. I think it's disgusting. I think that's why there's a hell, and there should be a death penalty. And on their way there, we should ask if they want to repent and go to heaven like the thief on the cross. But I understand it. I can explain it to you because of how they have explained it in their writings. It is nasty. It's disgusting. I won't do it here, but I understand it. I understand why people murder other people. There will be times in life we will say things like, I just don't understand. Really, what we mean by that is you're just an idiot, and I don't know why you're choosing to be an idiot. 
That's what we're saying. But you really do understand. I just can't understand why the kids do these things these days. You really know why. They're on drugs. They're listening to a bunch of fools in their music and in their media, and they have no self-discipline. That's why these kids do what they do. You really do understand. You're just sensing a frustration in your heart, and you're just like, oh, Dios me, I can't understand. What are you thinking? Right? That, that's a phraseology. But most of us, 99% of the time, understand what's going on in our world. We may not agree with it, but we understand it. How many have watched the History Channel or something like that, and you understand Hitler? Like, you understand. Like, you put two and two together. Hitler thinks there's one master race. He thinks these people in his country are hindering that master race. He wants to get them out of the way. Other nations don't want to help him to do that, so he brings about the final solution to do it himself. I can't comprehend how a human can go along with such stupidity, but I can comprehend people convincing things of stupidity. I, in my conscience, would not be able to do such a thing. But there were certain people that, that could. And oftentimes preacher, preachers would say, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we could all go that route, okay? But notice what he is saying right here. I have much more to say about this. Well, what is the this? Let's go actually to the Bible app, Hebrews chapter 5. Just go there. It's what we've already been talking about. It's the priesthood of Jesus. Here you see the author, who I believe is Paul. He's not named in this book. More than likely, it's a sermon that one of his companions have written down. That's why its grammar is different than his other epistles as they look at his verbiage and his way of writing here. They sometimes say, it could it be Paul? It's so different in the Greek language, but if Paul was a preacher and some of his things were written down as we even do today, manuscripts and so forth, people will do that even in court. Someone would have his message, but it would have different um, grammar structure. That's what I personally believe in the early church taught that as well. He's teaching them about the high priest and how Jesus is now our high priest. And yet he's more than just the high priest because the high priest has to offer up a sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice and the high priest. He's offering up himself. Everybody go, oh, that's deep. Hey, that's, that's awesome, right? So now scroll down to verse 11. He's getting into like these awesome things. And remember, I did a Bible quiz last week. Why does Jesus have to be a high priest according to Melchizedek? Why is that? It's because he's born in the line of Judah, not Levi. And the Levitical priest had to come from Levi. And yet it says here in the Psalm, long before the incarnation of Christ, Psalm 110, you are a priest forever. Scroll up just a little bit so they can see the quote, please. In the order of Melchizedek. Does everybody see that in verse 6? Okay, so that's deep stuff. Everybody go deep. That's what the author wants to talk about. He wants to go deeper into those issues, how Christ is both the high priest, he's also the sacrifice, that he has come from the line of Judah, which is the line of kings, and yet he's also a priest, which comes from the line of Levi, and he does this because he's in the order of Melchizedek, who was there before Levi, and he was also the king of Salem. Wow, all of that is amazing, but go, go to verse 11. Look, what does he say? I have so much more to tell you about this. But it's hard to make it clear because you no longer try to understand. You want some cray-cray stuff. You out there are supposed to be taking notes right now in the Bible lesson you're getting. And you're, you're checking your Facebook instead of having your face in his book. 
I'm trying to teach you about how to live and love Jesus, and you're falling asleep on your neighbor's shoulder. I mean, I don't know what's going on in his church, but I know what's going on in my church. Are you listening? Can I check everybody's phone? Is the Bible app open? Come on. You really taking notes? Amen. But that's what he's saying, man. This is the frustration of pastors, leaders, everybody here. You've, you've got somebody that looks up to you. I know that you felt this before. You get to a point where you can't push it any harder because they're not ready for it. They don't want it. You can bring a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. That's what our author is dealing with. Let's keep going. Verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you should be teaching, you need someone to teach you. Not the deep things, but the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You got to go back to first grade, kindergarten. You got to go back to putting shapes in a bucket. You got to go back to picking out the colors and which, uh, which one of these things does not belong here. Three of these things are all the same. One of them is not. You got to go back there to elementary school. Learn these truths all over again. You need milk. Wow, that's getting deep right here, isn't it? It's deep that he has to rebuke them about being surface level. Because, listen, if a pastor cares about you, they're going to take you to where you're at. They're going to show you a reflection of who you are spiritually. I can't pretend you're somebody you're, you're not, even if you're pretending that. I got to show you who you really are. And the same thing with me. Show me who I really am. Don't let anybody think of themselves more highly than they ought. Now, thank God we're in a great church. And I don't think everybody here is babes. I don't think the rebuke of Hebrews applies to everybody. But nudge your neighbor and say, it applies to somebody. And it, 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 could, it could be you. It could be you. Look at your other neighbor and say, I know it's definitely you. I don't know about my other neighbor I was just talking to. But definitely it's you. Def my, uh, this, my, my one neighbor here, it, it's definitely you. Don't, don't, even, don't even pretend it's not you. half kid here. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, he calls them babies. He says they're slow. He says they're elementary. You think the Bible is just one happy meme over a pond of water with the sun rising? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Share that meme, sun rising up over the palm uh, of the pond, little mist coming up, little walkway, little deck out there. You know the kind of memes I'm talking about. That's all people think the Bible is. This dude in four verses has called him slow elementary, suckling on milk, babies, infant, needing to be retaught. But he loves them. He said, you need milk, not solid food. That stuff he was giving up there, that stuff is deep, man. The, the priesthood, the high priest, the way it comes through Melchizedek, how Jesus is both God and man. He was dealing with that in Hebrews chapter 1. A matter of fact, if you look at it as in sections, uh, oftentimes we let chapters mess us up. Uh, that's a good thing to have them there because then you wouldn't know where I was at in the book. So it's good to be like chapter 4. Oh, it's over here with verse 11. They did that to help you. But sometimes you miss what's actually happening. Happening. Really, from chapter 1 all the way through here to chapter 5, he's been on one main point, how awesome Jesus is. And he's saying to them, I've got so much more to give you on this, but you're not getting it. You don't need more of that. You really just need milk. Verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about what? The Trinity? The rapture? Come on, the signs of the end times, 
No, about what? Righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Somebody say solid food. Thank you, brothers and sisters. It's for the mature. That's today's lesson. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, going back to the notes, please, I want you to see that I have a lot to discuss after that verse 14. Just scroll down so they can see it going all the way into chapter 6 and so forth. I don't think I can do all of that today. Let's just stay with these first few verses and see how the Lord leads us. Now, remember, I asked the Lord, should I get off of Hebrews and speak some motivational messages for January? And he said no. So y'all need this. Amen? Now, if it's not for you, it's to go through you to somebody else. But, of course, find something out of this to encourage you if you're the most mature, solid person in the church, okay? I would find something out of a message like this, even though I've been walking with the Lord for many years. But I have to start off with this warning. Are there things in your life that are unrighteous, things the Bible were to call sins, you are doing them, and it's not because you can't understand why you shouldn't do it. It's because you're trying on purpose to remain slow and ignorant, not practicing to become good versus evil. In other words, you know you're supposed to be doing the right thing and you're not doing it and you're pretending to be dumb. Let's just make it real. Pastor Burrow, did that come across pretty good? This is our Pastor Burrow. Can we give it up for Pastor Burrow as he raises his hand? In case you don't know the man of God, this is our Pastor Burrow. This is the man of God, faith and power, doing pastoral counseling. Can I save you a trip to his office, to his uh, coffee talk? Can I save you a trip right here? Learn to discern good from evil. Many of you here are not doing that. And you ask yourself, why is it not working for me? Why doesn't Christianity have the results that other people have? Let me give the most uh, relevant ones that come to my mind, just going through a few. The first one here, pornography, right? You hear my testimony? I haven't looked at pornography since 96. And many men here pretend they don't understand how that happened. Oh, yeah, man, I just don't understand Man, how did you do it for so long and not, and not have a look at it? Man, I, I, I don't understand. Yeah, you do. You understand. Let me tell you, you don't want it. You, you don't want freedom. You don't want to practice good over evil. You want to stay in porn. You understand. You're not dumb. You're not, you're not, man, we used to mess with people when I was growing up. Stuff you can't say anymore, but I'll just say it in that context. You didn't ride the small bus. Y'all listen to me. Y'all don't have buses around here. Somebody got it. In our neighborhood, Special Ed went on the small bus. And here, if you came from Special Ed, I love you, and you get the permission. I give you permission to punch me really hard in the gut after this, okay? As long as I get a chance to flex. Don't do it when I'm not ready, because then it will really hurt. But if anybody takes me as making fun of Special Ed people, listen to me. You get to punch me in the gut after this. Take it out. I mean, I know you're supposed to love and forgive me, but please, listen when I say this to you. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying when, when someone does not act like how they've been gifted to act. They need to be cracked on. Because the one riding the small bus wishes they had what you had. When you go to Jewel, and I'm always touched by this, when, when you're there and you see the baggers and they come from special ed backgrounds, how many have ever seen them there? 
I love them, right? They wish that they were us. I'm not saying they wish that they didn't have the life that they have. Like God is blessed and they find joy in it. I'm just saying if you ask them, hey, man, if I could give you a, you know, a pill and, and you go to have the mind be perfect again, you know, you can have a physical body that's good and to go, would you want? Yeah, they would want that, right? But they're going to make the best of that situation. But here's the problem. And, and once again, saying this, and I know I'm probably going to regret it, but you can punch me in the stomach after this if you want. People act retarded. See, now they say, oh, you're making fun of a retarded person. No, 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 I'm not making fun of the retarded person, which is an actual medical term. I'm not making fun of that person because they're mentally handicapped. That's cruel. That's mean. Do you understand? I'm making fun of the dude that's not retarded. You are acting like you are. That's a problem. You're acting like you're mentally challenged. You're acting like you have a problem with your chromosomes. And pastors, when we say stuff like that, you think we're mean. You're ashamed to bring your visitors here or your guests and all of this. But listen to me. This is real talk. You're acting, people who don't want to be free from sin, you're acting like you're a baby. You're acting like you're mentally challenged. Look at this. You don't want to understand, and you want to act like a baby. Same thing is with the baby. Is it wrong to make fun of a baby when it poops on itself? Baby's pooping on itself. Yeah, it's wrong. You want it. It's a baby. All of us were babies and pooped on ourselves. Is it wrong to make fun of your friend if he poops on himself? No, that's absolutely acceptable. Now, if your friend had stomach issues, like I've had stomach issues when I've dutied on myself, that's a different thing. You know, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many have been sick before and it's been embarrassing to your adulthood? Okay, some of you raised your hands anyways. You didn't need to, but I just wanted to know. I'm not alone. I've been there. Okay? I don't make fun of a child for dutying on themselves. I'm going to make fun of you for dutying on yourself if you're not sick. If you're not sick and you duty on yourself, I'm going to be like, what are you doing? You didn't have to do this. It's not cute to duty on yourself when you're 30 years old. But yet I look at people in the spiritual. Somebody say, make it spiritual. Thank you. In the spiritual, you're supposed to be an adult, but you're acting like a baby. We got to part the whiskers to get the bottle in. You don't have the maturity to act like God made you to act. And so that is, listen to me, that is spiritually handicapped. That is spiritually baby goo goo gaga stuff. Now, how are we supposed to be as pastors about it? How is this man supposed to be writing this letter? Is he supposed to get fed up? push people down now. I mean, after he's basically busted on them, is he now just supposed to say, you're worthless, you're garbage? No. He's making this point, but now he wants them to wake up. If you're reading this, imagine, like, <laughs> imagine this. Paul's in jail. He's been locked up. They won't let me out. Oh, no, they won't let me out. And he sends a letter, and then all of a sudden, somebody comes running into the church. Oh, everybody, I got a letter from Paul. <laughs> Clickety-clack. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, bring me that letter. And they're reading this letter. And then all of a sudden it gets to, I got so much more to write to you, but y'all slow and don't understand. Uh, okay, Paul, I thought I could explain it to you, but you all babies and immature. How many know, like, you could feel maybe the energy leaving the room at that point? Uh, 
I don't know if I'm happy to hear from Paul right now. Uh, maybe put that letter away. How many have ever gotten a message on Facebook, you know it's going to be bad after reading the first few lines, and you just kind of want to put it away? You wish you could leave it on unread, you know? Man, okay, okay, I see where you're coming from now. Let me move on to something else, and we'll come back to this. I can imagine Paul writing this letter and then saying to the person passing it along, now listen to me, you better read through chapter 5 and don't stutter. You understand, young man? They're going to get mad at you. They're going to wish they could beat up the messenger, but you just stand your ground. You read it, and you, didn't let, and you let them know what I said, and it gets better, but it's going to get tough. I, I can see Paul saying that. Like, man, I, man you, you, I got some tough stuff to say to them, and I don't know how they're going to take it, but I'm hoping the best for them. As we'll see later on in this, this letter, he says, man, I'm convinced you can do better. I'm convinced that you're not going to fall away because his warning is here. In just a few moments, we'll see as much as we can get through, but this is going to have serious consequences. If you don't, listen to me, brothers and sisters, get a hold of those sins that are in your life and bring them under the blood of Jesus for forgiveness and transformation, they will wreck you. They will wreck me. If I don't put my pride under the word of God and slap it like a bug, come on, somebody. I'm not disrespecting the word. I'm using the word. You disrespect it when you don't use it. Come on, somebody. When, when I put my pride, let me get this off here. I want to slap it again. Get that real slap. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. People are like, Pastor, you're crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy. You just figured that out. <sighs> Brothers and sisters, you better put your issues under the word of God. Every day, Satan is coming after us as an enemy who wants to shame us, destroy us, and humiliate us. But yet God's word, like it's compared to as the bread of life, is coming fresh to us to be consumed every day. If you're not taking in the word of God and putting in check those issues, you can come to that same spot. The Bible actually says, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. Because when we think of ourselves more highly than, our ought, than we ought, we're in danger of falling because of pride. My brothers and sisters, look at your life right now, every single one of us, and see what areas we know good from evil in, but we're not practicing with constant use to live good versus evil. Highlight that last part of 14. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I talk to people now about the, uh, pornography and they tell me I don't do anything about it. I ask them, what do you do? Well, I don't do anything about it. I just hope that it goes away. So you haven't put any blockers on your phone. You haven't uh, asked your accountability partner to check in on you every day or during the night whenever it's the most tempting. Uh, you haven't really confessed this to the leaders in your life. No, no, but I just want it to go away. Well, then you haven't done what God asked you to do. Some people say, well, why does it take all of that? I thought it was just a miracle. You know, all of this pixie dust comes into the room. I thought it's just a miracle. Yeah, miracles happen, but they happen when you and I take steps of faith. 
The miracle of me getting set free from cigarettes didn't happen until I threw them out my window, which I'm ashamed of. I should have waited until I went to a garbage can. But I was driving in my car, and I felt like I got the revelation, like, man, I'm free. I don't ever have to do this again. Hallelujah, litter, you know. Sin getting away from another sin. Like, does that even make sense? I sinned to be righteous. But I did. I was like, I don't need those. I got the revelation. I was like, I better put this into practice now. I better have faith for this. How about things that have to do with our attitudes? You know, sometimes I find myself making excuses because of how I am. You know, you take personality tests. We, we have uh, these in our church. We sometimes have our leaders do it. Are you choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, melancholy? You know, those are the four main ones. And, uh, you know, well, I'm choleric. I'm choleric. That's like a strong leader, a truth teller, type A. You know, um, I'm an alpha male. No beta soy around here. Amen. Okay, but, 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 do I get to cuss you out when I get mad? No, man. My friend was a pastor. He was cussing out his people. Pray for this man. You don't maybe know him by name. Some of you do. He's now doing full-time construction. I saw him again on Instagram because he had left Facebook, the place where I could stay in touch. And I finally saw him on Instagram. I reached out to him. He says, we're going to get together. This pastor got so upset with his people, man. He was cussing them out in meetings. He would cuss them out on the side. He just, he just didn't have patience for them anymore. You'll hear about this in, in people who are saying, I'm on my last nerve, you know. Well, hold on for a minute. Does the Bible give us an excuse to treat people bad because we're on our last nerve? Or are we supposed to learn to train ourselves to do good versus evil? So this is what I notice about me. I notice about me where my line is and where I need to be in regards to that line. I talk about it like this. Imagine this is the line where you go from being tempted to sinning, okay? So right here is that line. Many people, because they're immature, they live here every day. So it's like, you know, I, I might sin. Oh, oh, I, I, got, I got boo calling me up. Oh, I might sin. Or you know what? This person said this. I, I might cuss somebody out. My definition of Christianity is getting further and further and further away so that now what is tempting to you is to say, oh, snickerdoodle, instead of being patient and saying, oh, Jesus. Do you get my point? How many Christians have words you use instead of Jesus, but it's not a cuss word? We have some funny words in the church. I'm being honest with you. So it's like saying the F word would be a rare like, thing in my life. I don't even know how it would come into my mind, right? Like, because it's not in my daily language. It's not what I'm thinking on. But if I stub my toe instead of like turning it to God, like, oh man, oh Lord, I need you right now, something like that. If I'm like out of anger saying silly words, that's bringing me closer to the temptation of cussing. That's why I say to people, don't use words like, gosh, dang it. Don't use freak all the time. I'm freaking out or, you know, these kinds of words because those words are bringing you one step closer to speaking unwholesome. Is everybody tracking with me? So I know, I know when I'm moving through those steps. Sometimes it happens very fast. But I can't make an excuse because the Bible says that he has given me all things I need for life and godliness. He said that if I pray in the time of temptation, he will lead me not into temptation, but do what? Deliver me from evil. So let me ask you a question. How familiar are you with your attitudes? Are you mature enough to distinguish good from evil? How many know our children, the young ones, aren't able to do that? 
They call that the terrible threes, you know, uh, vipers and diapers, you know. Man, they can be crazy around that age, but they don't understand it. They have to be learning. The, the child developmental years. Thank you, Jesus. I get paid for to talk for a living, Jesus, and it's awesome when you help me. <sighs> Slow down a little bit. Developmental years, three to five. You can't whoop a child three to five. That's why when we see these little ones running, that's not the solution. But you have, to, you have to give boundaries to them. Everybody tracking with me? You give them boundaries. You don't just say, oh, they're three to five. Do whatever you want. No, you train a child in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they won't depart from it. Oftentimes, we think about that training of the child just in spiritual things. So I teach them about Jesus. They're going to always serve Jesus. And I believe that can be applied there. But if you develop a child how to eat good food and not poison, when they're older, they'll know how not to eat poison. Can I hear an amen? If, if you teach a child patience that when something doesn't go right, they don't punch, they'll learn that as an attribute and not punch their boss and knock them out. How many are glad people aren't knocking out their bosses today? You see, because when you train a child when they are young, the Bible says, they will, when they grow older, they will not depart. Well, look at that same word here. Those who have trained themselves in distinguishing between good and evil. Okay, so let's say you're in that place right now. You're that infant. Okay, what do you do? Start getting trained. Get trained, dude. Get swole. Get big. Everybody with me? You can't put that on me on Sundays. You got to put that in your everyday life. I don't know what's going to work for you as training. Let's say with your attitude, you put some stops in place. Once I get to the point where I can no longer speak positive, I don't speak anymore because you know you're doing it out of anger. I've had to tell myself that. Like in my, my counseling, if I can't do it out of love, like if my heart for that person is not love anymore, it doesn't matter what Bible verse I'm quoting. They're not getting the right spirit. So I've trained myself. If I notice, like, man, I no longer see this person in the image of God. I see this person as an oompa loompa. I see this person as my enemy. I see this person as a fool then I, man, it doesn't matter what Bible verse I say. I remember going to Bible college and then having me go preach to the jails and uh, the, you know, the juvenile centers, and I was just wild, dude. I went in there one time. I'm just being straight up with you, dude. It was in, in the heart of New Orleans. I mean, straight gangsters, killers. I mean, like, you know, New Orleans, Chicago. I mean, there's some violent people, some straight, like, just hood rats or whatever you want to call them, you know. It's gang. They probably don't want to be called hood rat, but... Dude, I walked in there. I'm like, y'all a bunch of sinners, you wicked sin. I just kept calling them sinners. And, 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 and thank God that there was security there, man. But I was like 19 years old. But here was the thing. I kept telling my testimony. And I was like, I was like you. I was a wicked sinner too, you wicked sinner. You guys sin like this. You sin. So I was trying to say, God saved me because I was arrested eight times. I've done time in juvenile jail, you know, and all of this. So I was like trying to get across to them like, I know you, and I know you can change. I've done it. But it didn't come across like that. What it basically came across was, and some of you are like, I thought that's how you pray, preach last week, Pastor. You sinners, didn't you say it last week? You haven't changed very much, but hold on. I thought I was encouraging them, but really I was angry at them. Because, you know, they only wanted to be there because the chaplain came. They could get out of that room, whatever. So, you know, they were just sitting back looking at me. And when I realized, like, I wasn't getting through to them, man, I just kept getting louder and meaner. And this is the thing, man. 
I still do this to this day, but this is crazy, okay? I said, man, some of y'all like pigs, okay? This is what I said to him. And I started doing the pig noise. I was a wild preacher, guys. I started snorting. And I said, that's what y'all want. The Bible says, like a dog goes to its vomit, like a pig goes to the mud. Y'all know better, and you're a bunch of pigs, and I'm doing the snorting, okay? This is, that's my point of view, okay? And I've repented since then, but now listen to my professor's point of view. He said he was sitting back wondering if I was going to start a riot. He said he was looking at these guys because he was the chaplain. This was my first month in Bible college, okay? And what was so funny is I didn't grow up on a southern Jimmy Swagger type gospel like that. But for whatever reason, when I got saved, I stopped dressing like Cypress Hill, beanies, I want to get high. I stopped dressing like I had hoops and goatee. I stopped dressing like that. I became clean cut wearing suits with my hair slicked back. Go to our YouTube and type in first sermon, you know, Joe I. Rossick or Metro Praise International. And you'll see what I'm talking about, dude, okay? So I'm hair slicked back, wearing a suit, making pig noises at these dudes saying, you're all going to hell. I know you know better. All of this, okay? My professor is in the background going, what did I just turn loose in this place? Are we going to die? Because how many know they locked up in their security, but some of them don't care? Like, there's chairs you can throw. You can get to me quicker than security can get to me. You can definitely hit me about four or five times before that slow dude gets over here, right? So he's wondering, what's going on? I finished the thing. We go back to the Bible college. He then says to me, man, you can't do that again. There's no way I can bring you there to do that again. There was no grace. There was no love. You were just straight calling them sinners. You were making pig noises. I thought we were going to die. You can't do this again. Now, I humbled myself, and I said, you're right, professor. I'll try better. Of course I didn't. I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Listen to me. As a first, I know nobody can imagine this. No, I know. I shouldn't even say it. Some of you are like, no, I could totally get this story. But keep telling me, Joe, I want dirt on you. So then I say to them, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You won't stop my ministry. I'm called to tell them. I'm called to do this. I'm arguing now, literally saying the words, I rebuke you, to a dear saint in the Lord, Pastor Wade Southern, who had come from the south side of Chicago, moved to Houston, then to New Orleans, who now is with the Lord, and it was one of the best funerals I've ever been to. The whole place got down, gospel clapping while the casket is there. That was wild. I've never seen a funeral like that. Anybody ever been to a gospel funeral? That's what they did for my pastor. Okay, so And, and he was one of my first pastors. I ended up working for him. But at this moment, he doesn't know how more to respond to me because I'm being so belligerent and so loud. He's a patient man. He doesn't know, like, do I have the power to kick this guy out of school? Like, what do I do? And the president comes over. And this is where I talk about it in my book, that this is where I quit Bible college because the president was drinking a water bottle like this. And he came to me and he said, until you you fill this full of tears for those people, you can't ever preach to them like that again. And then he said, and if you don't stop, I'm going to kick you out right now. And I said, I'm not going to stop. And he said, get out of the school. He kicked me out. That day I was kicked out. And I always tell the story that I went to a gas station to fill up. I was heading home. And, uh, you know, people in the south always talk to you. Hey, what's up? How you doing? And I would always say back, every day's a good day with Jesus. But at that, day, at that time, at that gas station, the guy said, what's up? And I was like, uh. you know, I couldn't say it. 
And I knew at that moment I had grieved the Holy Spirit. And I felt the Lord say this to me. Now, this is, you know, this is for me. This may not be for you. This is what I felt the Lord say to me. If you walk away now from this, this, I'm walking away from you. I felt the Lord drew a line for me. So I wasn't going to be a backslider. Like, oh, I quit Bible college. I knew people that did that all the time. People even do it now on us in our school. It wasn't going to be like, oh, you, you know, I dropped out of school. Now I still go to church and this and that. Like, no, the Lord was warning me. If you drop out of this calling, the devil's just going to have you by the neck and just rip you around. You're not going to make it anymore because I'm, I'm not going to be there. You're out of my will, okay? Now, that doesn't mean he wouldn't have forgave me or, or, you know, whatever could have happened after that. But that's the word I heard. Somebody said that was for him. Amen. But I had to go back. And at that moment, that same day, going back into that college, I had to repent. And this is what I began to understand. I had to discern good from evil in my heart. Because even preaching, if I didn't have the right heart, it would be evil. Does everybody get that? You could be in a marriage right now saying, well, I'm still with her. But you're being evil in how you're treating her or him. You could be a mother or a father saying, look at how I provide for them. I'm a good mother and father. I didn't abandon them. Their dad did, their mom did, or, or my parents did that to me, so I'm so different. Look at how I'm raising them. And God could say, yeah, but you're being evil. Just because on the outside it looks like you're doing better than most or you're better than the way you, your older version used to be doesn't mean you're good. I wonder what kind of lives these people were living. I don't think many of them were probably living like the Kardashians. I don't think they were going from Bruce to Caitlyn. I don't think they were doing those kind of wild things. But it was so bad that he says to them, you're babies and you don't have any understanding. So what was it? I don't know. But I see it in this church all the time. People make excuses not to live for God. And what we don't understand, brothers and sisters, is one attitude left unchecked. One attitude you don't check can cost you this whole thing. One thing that you just allow to fester in your life can keep you away from God. And if it doesn't cost you salvation, which we'll get to in just a moment, I believe I can get to the second part here, it will at least cost you the joy of your salvation. Come on, somebody say the joy of salvation. You see, some of you, you say you're saved, but your face is not showing what your heart is supposed to be feeling. If you're really saved, your face should show what your heart is feeling. Some of you are walking around heavy with yokes and these problems of your life, not because it's your fault you have these problems or these temptations. I don't believe a temptation is anybody's fault. Even Jesus was tempted. I don't believe your problems are always your fault. I'm not superstitious like that. But some here, you're walking around with them, and you're depressed, and you're anxious because you're not giving it over to God. And I've been there. I remember when I was first dating my wife, and I'll just close it at this before we go to the next part because I don't want to just make it pornography, cussing people out, getting in fight, you know, doing these wild things. I want to do it as practical things. When my wife and I first started dating, she had a word even before that when she first met me that I was going to be her husband, and that was confirmed throughout our time of dating. My dad, on the first day of meeting her, giving her a hug, said, that's Joe's wife, that God knew that that was for me. But I dated her, and I got in my head, and I broke up our relationship. And then I went around and dated other girls. I want to tell you, there was a time that I was more depressed as a Christian than I've ever been in my entire life. 
And it wasn't because these girls that I were dating were, were bad. And it wasn't because I was sinning with them while and out. It was just because God wanted us together. That was his will. And I was supposed to train myself with the help of the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. My emotions and the things that made me incompatible with her. In other words, if I was not going to get it in check, I would ruin myself, wreck myself relationally, and probably still be a Christian. I have my friend. I love him dearly. He's on his third marriage, and he's a Christian. Is he going to hell? No. He just hasn't trained himself how to distinguish good from evil in relationships. And I'm not saying everything's his fault. If you're listening to this brother, you know who you are. I'm not saying everything's your fault, but you have to learn to discern good from evil. Some of you are stuck in your place in life right now with the Lord, and you're looking at everybody except yourself. Well, it's this job that keeps me in this broke, busted, disgusted way. No, but people at your job are making money, and they're doing just fine. Some people raising whole families at your job, and you're a single dude, and you're not making it. Because you're wasting your money. You're wasting your resources. Others of you here, you're like, well, I go to a school or I'm in this environment on this job and it's so secular, it's so worldly. I, I don't see how I can really do good things for God here. Look at Daniel in Babylon. If Daniel was in Babylon righteous, you can be a YouTuber selling uh, makeup and be righteous. If, if Daniel can be in Babylon and be righteous, you can be a gamer for Jesus. You can be in the corporate world. You can work at whatever job you work at and still be righteous. You could be a Comcast customer care service rep and still love people if you go there with Jesus in your heart. How many have ever gotten into an argument with a customer care rep, Comcast, AT&T? How many know that they need a special grace on their life? My wife sometimes comes into a room and she's like, who are you talking to? And what have they done to offend you the way you're offended? It's Comcast. It's AT&T. How is my bill $1,288? You know? And it's always so funny. Uh, like, I've only caught them like once or twice. Like one time with Comcast, I was like, why is my bill now $454? And they're like, you have the Latino package. I'm like, I have the Latino package. Okay? Come again? I'm like, how do I have that? And they said, oh, it was some, this is where I got to love the sales reps, you know. Oh, it was some deal that you got into that said after a year it's going to double and then you would get this. And I'm like thinking to myself, y'all are slick. Only other time I caught them. Every other time. Three hours done. And enter. And that's why you owe us $634. Oh, so I had overage, had my hot spot, my daughter did this, and we had to renew our insurance. Oh, okay. But I've had to deal with my attitude. And if you're on the other side of that, it doesn't matter how much of a jerk somebody is to you. Are you trained? Don't they train you as a customer rep how to deal with customers? You ever hear before you get on the phone, this, will be this may be recorded for customer service. I know they got mine in training lessons. Now listen to this dude make a fool out of himself. Why is my bill $245? Now listen to Barbara explain to this person his bill. And then at the end, I'm sorry, Barbara. I've had to go back and apologize to people at the post office for getting it wrong. But I'm training myself. How many are training yourself? Does it say right there, just read the story of Noah's Ark over and over again, and then you'll become a better Christian? 
Does it say, uh, listen to cool preachers with tight pants and, and Nikes? Is that what it says to get past your issues? Who by constant use have trained themselves. You train yourself to distinguish good from evil. What is discipleship? Discipleship is one person who has trained themselves helping another person to train themselves. That's all it is. Okay, let's sit down and do a lesson. Now I'm going to share with you how I've trained myself to live by this lesson. Now I'm going to give you some helpful hints. Okay, well, my wife and I, we get mad and we scream at each other and we cuss. Here's my helpful hint for that. Have a code word that puts the brakes on everybody and calls a timeout flag on the play. Somebody gave that to me and it's changed my life with this Greek woman over here. Because as gentle and soft as she looks right here, have you ever met a Greek person? When she gets upset, it goes to a whole nother level. Are you listening? To, I don't mean to call her out because I get mad, mad too. So we had to do flag on the play, code red. When one of us says code red, you need to train yourself to be quiet now. You have to. If she calls code red, I have to stop, put on the brakes, and now listen to her. What she has just done is said, whatever you're doing is not helping me. I need you to stop, and I'm going to show you how to help me. That's her obligation. It isn't throw down code red and then scream at me, ah, code red, ah, and then she keeps screaming. No, 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 it's not supposed to be that. But even if it was, I just think to myself, flag on the play. Now, what happens if you argue with the referee? You get booted out the game. I don't want to sleep on the couch. Are you listening? Hello? Flag on the play. You train yourself. Some of you young men, you need to train yourself with what you're watching. You need to train yourself on what games you're playing. If you're playing games with big-breasted women, you need to stop doing that. Be a dude. I saw my, 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 my son, you know, playing Fortnite with one of those big-breasted women. I'm like, that's not you. Get a man, son. You ain't playing this woman right here like Chun-Li from Street Fighter. You know how they make these characters look. Come on, somebody. Let's just be honest. I got a lot of men laughing. You know I'm telling the truth. Oh, this is my character. I just love my avatar. No, you a pervert. Get a dude. Get a man. I understand there's moves Chun-Li does that other people don't do, and maybe there's things like that. But, man, if you're always struggling with lust and you're watching some woman from the backside with her little G-string thing whooping people's butt with the sword, and then you're wondering why you're laying down at night lusting, having anime fantasies, come on, somebody. You better get right. You better get right. And the same thing is here. I get it. I get it, ladies. You take care of yourself. You want to be healthy and all of that. But if your mind is obsessed with yourself, that lust towards yourself will manifest towards others because that attention you give yourself, you want it to be reciprocated by other men. I'm not saying it's wrong for women to take care of themselves. That's not what I'm saying. But notice the women who go above and beyond. Even with pastor's wives, I watch them and I'm like, what are you doing? One of them, I'm like, are you trying to be Miss America? And she's like, yeah, I've been Miss America or something like that. I'm teasing her, but it's like, man, you on that. You're on that so much. Is it, any, is it any quinketing that she was the first one to fall out that marriage and have issues and cause that, that marriage to have problems? Probably the man as well, but got exposed with her. Absolutely not. Why? Because you're about yourself all the time. Woman, uh, woman's always wanting to have compliments. And I appreciate women giving each other compliments, but how many women know that there's a certain compliment that only a guy can give? And then the women, they really want that. Oh, you look so, you know, girlfriends tweet. Oh, you look so good. I like that on you. So hot. Look at you. Fierce girl. You know, I don't know if you guys talk like that, but I hear it every now and then. Maybe that's not popular here. Maybe I'm thinking like 
Kardashians or something, but I don't know how you all do it in Chicago. But girls back and forth to each other. But you know what? That only goes so far. That only goes so far. You want someone else to say something to you. I'm not saying you want to be, you know, misappropriated or handled wrong. I'm not saying women deserve to be treated a certain way, cat called. God have mercy. Those people are going to hell too. What I'm saying is when Christian women are not happy with what they have in life and they put all of this external beauty on themselves and they are fishing for these compliments because they have an insecurity, that's going to be exposed by the enemy. In other words, ask yourself this question. If I was my own enemy, how would I come at me? If I was my own, uh, you, know, uh, you know, adversary, how would I come at me? Well, I would have somebody compliment me every day on my physique. Right? Come on, think about that, ladies. If a dude that was, that was hot, you know, well put together, good money, complimented you every day, would that cause you to sin? I can't even tell testimonies here without embarrassing some of our leaders. But I've had some of our leaders be married and go to events that were sponsored by the church and start hitting on other people and have to confess it. Think about this. The church is at an event. We're all here supporting, doing something. And then there's a married woman over here getting herself into trouble. It's happened before. Why? Because she's not guarding her heart. So in her heart, yeah, she's, she's a Bible college graduate. She's a woman of God. She's living holy. But in her heart, she wants somebody to pay attention to her that's more than just her husband. And there was a bartender to do that. So now she's going to flirt with that bartender. Don't act like you don't understand. Let's go back to that lesson real quick. Don't act like you don't understand how it happens. You understand how it happens. Talk to people all the time. Man, I fell into sin. Man, you didn't fall into sin. Man, you walked up the high dive. You checked out everybody. Hey, I'm up here. Everybody see me? Look at me. You bounced on it a few times. Then you triple flipped and dove right into it. You know your flavor of sin. You know what tempts you. You know that thing that you want. You know that website that gets it done, fellas. You know what I'm talking about. Ladies, you know what block to stroll by at the right time of day. You know just go right down California. Come on, just go right down there. What is it, California? What's the Humble Park? And, uh, and Division and all those. You just know, come right there. You know you got your compliment coming. Or walk by that guy's desk. Or, or, or do, your, do your exercises right do your exercises right in front of that guy. You know it. I'm not saying every woman doing that has a perverse heart. I'm just saying women know when to do that. Men, you know when to do that. I know when I'm going to get angry with you. I know when I'm going to lose my patience with my kids. And here's the thing. Nobody's going to stop me. If I want to get angry, I'm going to get angry. If I want to sneak around and do sin, I'm going to find a way to sneak around and do sin. You're not going to stop me. You know all the accountability that we have set up in the church? It still can't stop me. I've had friends be just as accountable as me, and they've done the nastiest things because you can't stop sin like that. Satan's in heaven. Everybody's watching him, and he still wants what God has, uh, uh, what, what, what Jesus has, and he becomes prideful in front of everybody. Sin will make a fool out of you. Pharaoh runs right into the Red Sea, even though he knows God has, God has already judged his people. He knows that it's a miracle, the Red Sea is part. He runs right into that because that's what sin will do to you. My brothers and sisters, you either control sin or it will control you. You either get a handle on your temptations or temptations will wreck your life. And then the problem with that will be is as the book of Proverbs says, everyone, me, you, everyone will look back on that and regret it. No one in hell today 
thinks they made a right decision. They're not looking back on Hitler's not like, well, I showed them. I did everything I wanted. Then when they came for me, I blew my brains out. I won. Y'all couldn't catch me. He's not like that. He regrets that. He is looking at his life going, man, why did I let evil take over me? Why didn't I resist temptation? Temptation has now defeated me. Brothers and sisters, I don't want us to forget the teachings of righteousness. Anyone who lives on, I think we just got to stop here today. Uh, Daryl, would you come, please? Because all of this is going to open up a whole other set of lessons. I thought I could get there, but I'm just not sure I can do it justice. And I want to save it for next week, so please come back. How many know I still love you? Amen. Just look at it again in verse 13 onward. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. Can I just get serious for a minute right here? I mean, if, I mean, you know I've been serious, but can I take it to another level? Okay. Imagine right now we're at war, okay? Maybe like a Ukraine-Russia type thing. Would you put that baby right here in that war? That would be sending that baby to die. Think about it. Think about it, man. Just get, it's, it's a crazy thought, but get it into your mind for a sec. Imagine we take that baby and we place that baby before the enemy. And imagine the enemy being of such a belief system that they'll have no mercy. And instead of protecting that child, instead of doing what you're supposed to do, you expose that child to evil. Are you listening to me? Can I hear an amen if you're hearing this? Please pay attention to this last bit. That's what some of you are doing right now when you go to face the enemy. Because you have not been trained in righteousness, he says, I'm going to tear you apart. Remember how Goliath talked to David? Once he realized that David was going to stay there, he said, I'm going to tear you to pieces and feed you to the dogs. Imagine a baby. I mean, it's disgusting, but you got to get Goliath's vision of what he was going to do. Imagine someone tearing a child, even one of our younger ones, just tearing a child apart and throwing them to no mercy, no care. The Bible is serious. When Jesus says the thief, he comes to steal. He comes to kill. And he comes to destroy your life. When Paul is giving them these rebukes and he's telling them they're slow and they're elementary and they're infants, he's not doing that so they can become a super Christian. Like you can get in shape or you can go to the Arnold Schwarzenegger type of shape. So it's really up to you. No, no. He's saying if you don't get this, you are a baby heading into a war where the enemy shows no mercy. And brothers and sisters, I think about the shattered lives that I've had to come alongside of people and pick up. I remember having a pastor coming and do a conference for me in New Orleans, and that was his hometown. He had moved to Atlanta. And when he had came to do that conference for me, he called up one of his old girlfriends at the conference. I met her because he brought her there, and he said, I'm going out to lunch with her. This was a pastor who was about the same age I am now, married for 20-plus years, children that were adults. He had a large ministry worth millions of dollars. 
I don't see him again because he did his part and that was, that was it. His wife calls me in like three days. Have you seen so-and-so? Her husband. I'm a young pastor, dude. I'm 22, 23 years old. No. That's what, we didn't have cell phones back then. I was like, no, you know, pagers, you know. No, I, I, I don't know. What, what, what's up? Well, tell me what you do know. Well, this is what I know. Okay, I'll get back to you. A couple hours later, I finally got a hold of him. He's with his girlfriend from back when he was in high school. This man was a pastor for 20 years. The devil's a liar, people. He destroyed his entire marriage. He destroyed his ministry. Imagine that pastor's wife showing up that Sunday. Uh, Brothers and sisters, Joe's not here with us today. I don't know where he is. Would you pray for us? I found out where he is. He's left me for another woman, and he's living in New Orleans now. That's what it would be like. That lit, his church was even bigger than ours. Imagine that. Another story. Just a few more to put the fear of God in you so you'll trust the Lord. You've got to trust him. I used to do internships all the time, so I'd meet a lot of people. It was popular back then. I don't do as many now. People can come and do internships with us. But this couple came down, these two girls came down. One was married, one was single. They were friends. And they said, we're going to do an internship for a few weeks, but we don't have any money. At that time, one of our members worked at a convenience store. And we always would bring people there to do odd and in jobs for these people. They happened to be Muslim. No big deal. Nice people. Good convenience store. They did all the things you can imagine. Made a little bit of food on the side. Had the, you know, the gas and all that. So, you, you, you know, you can imagine that. One day my leader comes to me and says, so-and-so is gone, the married one. I said, what do you mean, gone? Well, I heard from the girl who works there, our original girl who actually lived in New Orleans, said that she's gone with one of the owners back to Dubai, some Middle Eastern country. I can't remember which one it was. I had to pick up the pieces as a husband came from Minnesota, what he thought would be a 30-day mission trip that his wife as a youth leader was supporting another single girl to do in New Orleans as a helper. It would be similar to if... Uh, Karina wanted to join with Monica in Texas for a month. Is everybody tracking with me? I had to pick up those pieces. Thank God she didn't get sex trafficked. But how do you do that? How do you go from being a married wife and kids, mother, in Minnesota to taking a trip to a Middle Eastern country with a Muslim man you just met a few days, if not a week or two ago. I'm telling you, I could tell you story after story. Some of you know these stories because you go, hey, pastor, I got one. That's my dad. I haven't seen my dad in 10 years. We have people in this church who haven't seen their dad in 10 years. We have people in this church that say, I don't even know where this person in my family's at because of what sin does to people. And we act in this church like it's a game. It's not a game. Teenagers, let me just give you one. Let me help put the fear of God in some of you teenagers. Every teenager, focus, please. 
My good friend was Brandon. We both came from Christian families, and we both backslid and did drugs together, and we were wild. My friend Brandon wanted to keep doing that lifestyle. Around the age of 18, you guys know I got saved. And so Brandon and I began to have talks about this because he understood my background. And he said, man, I'm not ready, but I know I need to. I'm going to make that change. Somebody say one more time. He said, I'm going to go one more time to a Grateful Dead show. That was what my people used to do. These guys would travel around to country villages or whatever towns and rent out like an entire farm field and everybody would put their tents up there, smoke and do drugs and then party to this music. It would be like three-day drug fest. It was crazy, right? So I'm going to go to this and I'm going to be done. At that campground, there was a cliff that went down into a ravine. He didn't know that area. They were doing drugs, and this is the story from my friend who told it to me. He said, Brandon started having a bad trip and ran away from us, saying, I know I shouldn't be here. I know I shouldn't be here. While he's running away having a bad trip on hallucinogenics, he doesn't see the cliff. He falls off. They find his body three days later. You all tracking with me? Now, you want to hear the scary part, if that one already scary? Before that weekend, he went to church with his family on Wednesday to a youth service. I only heard this story later after I was in Bible college and a dude from my hometown came. We started talking and we realized we both knew Brandon. Here is his side of the story. Brandon came to youth group that Wednesday. He was convicted about his plans that weekend. He asked the person, Mike Charleston, to pray for him at the altar to make the right decision. And he didn't. Do you know that the last phone call I had with my sister before she died drinking and driving was me leading her to the Lord? helping her to get away from her boyfriend. She had two baby daddies and start living right. And the next thing I hear is my mom waking me up because she died drinking and driving. She went back to getting drunk again. Do you understand that some of you are on your last chance right now? Please don't play this game with God. He is not giving us something we cannot do. When I was doing that example, slapping down that sin... It was funny, right? And I wanted that certain slap to give me that satisfaction, as my kids say, satisfying. But there is something so satisfying when you see the sin squashed out of your life. My brothers and sisters, I am so happy today that I have seen the Word of God change me so I don't have to be spiritually handicapped, so I don't have to be an infant and a baby. I am not better than any single person in this place, but I know I'm better off than many of you, and it's only because of one reason, because I've trusted Jesus to train me how to do what's right and wrong. And in these last days, everybody wants to skew that. Oh, let's, let's erase what we now call evil here. Let's erase it and call it something else. And let's redefine what we call good, and then we'll get trained on that. That's deception. Be honest with yourself. You know what good from evil is. Stop lying to yourself. Ask the Lord to train you, and then you will be prepared for the things that come next. In verse, chapter 6, verse 1, and we'll end it here. Therefore, let us move beyond these elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. 
And then he lists all of these things that you need to understand, not laying again the foundation of repentance, the acts that lead to death. You don't need somebody to keep saying that to you. Stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning. And a faith in God. You don't need that all the time. Faith in God, have faith in God. You need to know about this. Instructions about cleansing rites, you know your religion won't make you clean. The laying on of hands, you need people to pray for you. The resurrection from the dead, you're going to meet Jesus one day and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. I mean, we can go deep on those things, but right now you need to understand it is impossible. Notice this. For those who have once been enlightened, that word came from the Bible before Buddha, come on, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. This is not for every backslider, but for that kind of a backslider who's gotten so close to God, who really knows about the Lord and has been given second and third chances, if they walk away, God says, you're done. Angels, pull their number. Judgment time. That's it. That's what I felt that day at that gas station. When God said, if you walk away, I'm walking away from you. Man, I may not even be here today. That car could have gotten in an accident and God pulled my number. Judgment. I already saved your behind from drugs and alcohol, and now a good pastor tried to train you, and you don't want to listen. I'm done with you. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those whom it is farmed, receive the blessing of God. Listen to verse 8. Please highlight it. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, what do you do with weeds? You burn them. Listen to me, church kids. You walk away from God. You follow RuPaul. You follow some homosexual pastor. You allow pornography to take over your heart. I don't care if you become the next Steve Jobs. You are worthless in the kingdom of God. You are cursed. And in the end, you will burn. You will burn. And I have cried tears to fill that water bottle to tell you that today. You will burn. There is no other hope. This is the ark of God. You want to see how serious God is about sin? Look at Noah's ark. Only eight and the whole world went down. He is not playing with us. He is not going on popular opinion. When he pulls the card of judgment on this earth, the Bible says it will be as high the blood as a horse's head. For 144 miles, it will run down streets. And he will trample the enemies. I say that because I love you. Do not fall away from this. And now that I've gotten this far, let's go, Holy Ghost. Verse 9, even though we speak like this, I love the apostle, dear friends. He loves them, even though i got to tell you like this. We are convinced of better things in your case, the things that you have to do with salvation. How many are going to do better? Come on, how many are going to live for Jesus? Come on, how many have good things on the horizon? See, that's my hope for this church. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown as you helped with people and continue to help. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. To win, how long do I keep this? To the very end. How long? To the very end. Thank you. So that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want to become what? 
We do not want to become what? Lazy. We do not want to become lazy. Dear God, help me not to become lazy. Almost 30 years I've been serving you. Jesus, may I have more strength now than I have ever had before. Dear God, may I not become lazy. The Lord just put it in my heart to start going back to the high schools. I come in and out of these seasons. So Lord willing, second, fourth, Friday, starting in February, I'm going back to the high schools to preach. Why? Because I never want to be lazy for Jesus. My wife got a word. Pray for this as well. My wife got a word in the new year. We tried to plant a church in Elgin with another church. It didn't work. She said, I want to try to start another church in our community. Pray for that. I don't want to become lazy. I want to pray. I want to seek God. I want to witness. I want my family to know I read my Bible and I study the Word of God. I don't want to let my attitude take over and become slothful and taking down my own sins. I don't want to become lazy, brothers or sisters. But to imitate, imitate those who through faith, get this, faith and patience inherit what is promised. So how do you train yourself? How do you go through the ups and downs? Faith. I believe. I believe. Even if I don't see it yet, I believe. I'm pure. I'm off of porn even though I don't see it yet. I have a sound mind even though I don't feel it yet. I'm not depressed. I'm happy in Jesus even though I don't have the emotional uh, ability to feel it yet. I know that's what I am. My marriage is blessed even though it doesn't feel right yet or change yet. I believe it. Faith and patience. I will wait until it comes. I will wait until it comes. 100,000, 50 churches, 500 around the world. Faith and patience for your job. For you, all you young men right here, all three of you, for a wife, for a family, faith and patience. You don't need a boo. You need a wife. Come on. You don't need baby kids. You need sons and daughters of God who to the second and third and fourth generation will hand down your legacy. Hallelujah. Faith and patience to see every enemy that comes against us underneath our feet. Gangbangers will come to the feet of Jesus. Gangs will be stomped out. Drug addiction, those on drugs will come to the feet of Jesus. It will be stomped out in the name of Jesus. Corruption over the land. Corrupt politicians will bow at the feet of Jesus and it will be crushed. We will win in Jesus' name when we have faith and patience and not be lazy in that. Just cycle it through. I'm not lazy. I have faith and I have patience. I'm not lazy. I have faith and I have patience. How long do I do it? You do it till you go to meet Jesus. You do it till you go to meet Jesus. You stay at this. You don't let yourself fall. You don't let yourself give up. And if you do, you ask Jesus to pick you back up. You say, Lord, I have sinned. Get excuses out of your mouth. Just say, I sinned. Now pick me back up and let's go. I was talking to a person the other day, and they just thought this was too much for them. Then why did he promise it? Come on, brothers and sisters, real quick in closing. Band and altar workers, will you come, please? If you look at this and you go, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, man. That's not for me. Then why did he promise it? You believe the Bible, right? I'm not talking to atheists, am I? Then why did he say that was what he promised? 
I promised my kids some things in life. I promised my kids at 16 they get to use the car. I'm not a liar. They do good in school. They get their drivers at, at 16. They get the car. Are you listening to me? I'm helping them. I'm not hurting them. I'm helping them. I promised. I promised. Every one of my children are getting an inheritance. Amen. I'm going to work hard and save up so that they get I promised. Now you ask yourself this question. Anybody here who uses your excuses as a way to be lazy, unbelieving, and impatient, you ask yourself this, especially if you consider yourself a Christian, then why did he promise it? Because if it doesn't work for you like it worked for me, then why did he promise it? So brothers and sisters, hold on to God's word. Amen? Young people, I always say this to you. You make your decisions now, and you'll have the consequences that you like in the future. But if you make the wrong choices now, you'll be dealing with consequences that you don't like. There's a young lady here uh, attends our church. I looked at her at her quinceanera, and I'm not a prophet in this way, but I looked at her and her quinceanera. My wife remembers this, and her boyfriend was there. And I said, if y'all don't live right, this girl will get pregnant by the time she's 16 years old. She got pregnant around that same age. Do you understand what I'm saying? If it's that obvious to pastors and leaders and people in your life, you will wreck stuff. What do you think it's like to the devil? You're walking around with a big target on yourself. And some people say, well, you know, you, you, you Christians, you scare us. You know, I, I don't need this. I want to go somewhere else. And then they look at the American dream, and they see how people are living their life. Look at Oprah. I always talk about Oprah because look, at she's having fun, right? She's got a lot of money. What they don't understand is that they are headed right off the cliff for destruction. And you know what the devil's doing? He's just saying, Hey, come on. Here's a little carrot. Come on, Oprah. Come on, come on. Demons, demons. No, 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 no. Lay off her a little bit. Let, let this path be a little bit smoother for her. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Just a little bit. Come on, Oprah. No, no, no. Energy. That's where you're going. You're going to energy. Over. In hell. Crying out. Help. Help. No one hears. Send me back. If they didn't listen to the word of God, they won't listen to you. Listen to the story. Jesus literally told a story of a man in hell. It's not sadistic. It's to wake you up. He told, think about this, brothers and sisters. The one who loved you enough to die for you told a story of what it's like with people in hell and what they're trying to do. They have their sense about them. They're trying to bargain. They're trying to get other chances. They're trying to go back to their family. They're trying to do whatever they can to get out of that situation. And it's too late. I pray that every single one of us will not have that. But on the day we see him face to face, he'll give us what he promised. He'll say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Receive the reward. Receive the kingdom. Father, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for a tough message. We got through it. Lord, help us not to miss it. Everyone looking at your heart as I'm doing mine. Trust me, I can do two things at once. As I'm preaching and praying, I'm looking at my own heart. Please, Lord, show us if there's anything in us that could send us off that cliff. Show us today, Father, if we're not putting diligence into the areas of our life. If we're pretending we don't understand what you're telling us, but we really do. Right now where you're seated, ask the Lord to show you. And then wherever, whatever area he highlights, would you give it to him in prayer right now? If you're not a Christian, start off by saying, Jesus, come into my heart, change my life. 
I want to be born again. I believe you're Lord. You died on the cross, rose again. Start there by surrendering your life to God. And the rest of us, maybe you've been a Christian, but you've been backsliding. Surrender your life to God. Everyone, pray with me, please. A few moments just before we go. Show us our hearts, God. Show us the lies of the enemy that we've believed. And train us, God. Train us to be like the 300, impenetrable to the enemy. Come on, get a visual while you're praying. Lord, make me trained like the 300, like David, undefeated, conquering, standing brave, full of courage and strength. Make us your warriors, oh God your sons and daughters. Let us win this spiritual battle. Let us not shipwreck it like so many before us have. A few more moments right now. Don't hide it from God. He can already see it. If you give it to him, he can change it. If you hide it, you're only deceiving yourself. A few moments, and then we'll have everyone stand. And if you need prayer or want someone to encourage you or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come on up. But this is between you and God. Right now, Lord, show us. Because, Lord, I fear for some in this place. I fear for those that could be the next story that I tell to try to get someone to understand the severity of these decisions. In the name of Jesus, guard us, keep us, and may we live for you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you bless them? Amen. Would you stand up with me, please? We're going to dismiss worshiping uh, worshiping to some songs. If you want to come up to one of these brothers or sisters for prayer, please do so. I appreciate every single one of you. I think we got through that passage. I'll see what the Lord says. But next week, we'll go through something in Hebrews. Amen? Amen. Have a wonderful day. You are dismissed. Thank you for coming. Live for Jesus.